founder of Podimos, and I'm joined by Oscar, who's one of our account managers here at Podimos. Oscar, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks, Gloria. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So are you looking for ways to improve the traffic into your website, improve engagement with your audience? Email marketing just might be something that you should really think about. So what we're going to look at today is really what it is, what the benefits are, what the drawbacks are, so that you can make your own decision if this is right for you and your business. But actually, although some people think email marketing is dead, that absolutely is not the case. Um, and in fact, it has much better conversion rates than what people would historically think. So we'll have a look at that um, as well as we go through this podcast today. So first of all, Oscar, my first question what are the benefits of email marketing? This might seem like a really simple question, um, but what are the benefits of email marketing? Yeah, there are some massive benefits, uh, as is to be expected with anything at large scale like this. Uh, the biggest one, I'd say, being cost-effective. Cost you know, with email marketing, you don't have to deal with any of the hassle of printing out envelopes, handwriting anything, manually going to a post office. You know, this can all be done when stuff is done on mass like this, you know, you're going to save a huge amount of your overheads there. Um, huge amount of time effort as well. Like not only just cost effective, but time effective. Once you've set up one email template, you know, if your personalization tags are set up correctly, you can mass produce that with um, relatively little, you know, repeat time costs. So real, real big benefits there. I think it's, Amazing how you can, um, per, speaking of personalization tags, when you can really make an email seem um, personal as if you're writing it, you know, deliberately to that person, if you've got the right personalization tags for their name, their city, the time of day, you know, um, their university, you can, you can really reach out to these people in, in a meaningful way um, that you, you know, you, you wouldn't have the time or effort uh, to be able to do that if you're doing that manually as well. And I think mm -hmm. because it's so repeatable and so scalable, uh, if you set this up in, in effectively at the beginning, you really can um, be consistently in the inbox um, with relatively with a big upfront time investment, um, but relatively low time investments um, towards the tail end of these campaigns. It's it's really really beneficial. And the once you get into their inbox, everything then is just if your call to actions are good and your content is engaging, everything is driving people to your website. So, you know, all you're, you're improving your, your links, you're, you're getting all of this, um, you know, your search results are getting better because you're standing on the internet is going up. So, you know, there's some real, real big benefits there. Um, and I think from, yeah, from a branding perspective, having your brand and your imagery and your tone of voice in your potential customer's inbox on a daily or weekly basis, mm. that's a massive benefit. Totally. And actually, as you're saying as well, the cost implications of it, because if you set up a really good email campaign, um, which we've seen at Podimos as well, so if you set up a really good email campaign and it's triggered by something like somebody saying, yes, I want to learn more about this topic from your website, suddenly this whole email chain starts off with, you know, three or four nurture emails, maybe one call to action, three or four more nurture emails. And actually, you don't need to do anything. So although you have that upfront setup costs that you're talking about, really it then runs as you sleep and you then only actually need to add additional bits onto that campaign. Um, but as you say, it's really important that it's very well thought out um, so that actually it adds value to your audience. 
Absolutely. And and speaking of that, like understanding and tracking as well, I think the one, you know, one of the main things with email and a, a digital medium is you can actually, the mm. reporting you get from it is second yeah. to none and technically unachievable in a print medium. You can see exactly what links people are clicking on. You can see, like you say, which articles mm. people are really buying into, which articles people are reading, what social media they're interacting with. Um, it's so important to be able to see, because we, a lot of times as marketers, you fall into the trap of assuming what people want to read and want to um, be informed about, but actually, you know, figuring out realistically what they are clicking on, what interests them, and A, B, mm-hmm. testing that against other things, other options, you're, you're really going to focus your time and effort on what your customers want to read rather than what you think they want to read. It's, it's interesting listening to you hear about this, actually, listening to you talk about this, because, you know, I think a lot of people, when you think about email marketing, you think about just the cold emails that you get in your inbox the entire time that are really frustrating. And actually, when it's done well, it's totally not that at all. There's a big strategy behind it. Um, it's very work carefully constructed. It's adding value to your audience. Mm. Um, it, there's a lot more complexity behind it. And as there's you some, say, you're measuring there's something that I think is really important. the results um, all the time. So then you can continue to improve it. So it's not just send emails out and see what happens. Actually, it's continually improving it as you go. Yeah, for sure. And actually, yeah, like like you say, that that, that care about your customer. A lot of people see, um, in my experience, a lot of people see mass emails as quite a shady or something to be embarrassed about because mm. they are taking the love or care or personalization or you know human interaction or whatever they see out of this and actually i I disagree i think the amount of time and effort and care it takes to put in Mm. a well thought out campaign that's going to target someone yes you're not targeting them specifically but you're targeting their likes and their trends and you're targeting um there's a huge amount of thought power and logistics that have to go into giving your customers what they actually want and i think if anything that's that you know that shouldn't be understated how much um effort goes into that actually and it actually is much more rewarding from a customer's perspective rather than just a uh, a, a email directly to them a one-to-one email that is no relevant to them be part of a mass email that is at least relevant to them yeah it's interesting i i get the feeling i don't know what you think about this but i get the feeling that in medical device automated emails and real true nurture campaigns are actually not used nearly as much as I think they could be. And actually you mentioned earlier as well, that it's not just about the content. It's also about your brand appearing in their inbox all the time, like once a week or something like that. Um, You know, so even if they don't read it, because actually they're not interested in four out of the five things you send, that one time you do send something they're interested in, they'll look at it, but they have seen your brand for the other four times as well. So I, I feel there's a lot more that medical device can do in this area. And I don't think, at least from what we see, I don't feel it's used enough in campaigns, maybe because of perceptions about it. I don't know why that is, but I don't feel it's used enough, um, given the ROI that we see in it as well. For sure. Yeah. Speaking of ROI, I think I saw a statistic uh, somewhere that like uh, for every dollar you spend, you potentially recoup $36 back, um, which just shows, you know, that's, you know, there's not many things that have a 36x, you know, ROI. So I think that's, that's massive. And actually, yeah, speaking of that brand awareness piece, Julia, the <clears throat> it's quite easy to track, you know, when you're tracking emails, open rates, very easy thing to track and, and mm. optimize, um, you know, read time or dwell time or however you want to me- measure that. Um, and, you know, there's so many things that are very easy to measure. One thing that I think we don't 
typically see measured much and i'd like to say is you know um how often in the future people have been how quick sales convert in the future after being um you know delivered this nurturing brand awareness campaign because i'm sure yeah. sales teams, i've seen it in the past actually sales teams have much easier time converting leads when the person's familiar with your brand they've seen your logo yeah. half dozen times they've you know they've read your copy they've, they've ended up on your website a bunch of times suddenly the sales team's conversations are much more streamlined because you don't mm. have to give that you don't have to buy into that authority piece they know you're an authority you've already kind of built that rapport with them in their inbox so that's something and we started you know testing that a lot um internally in, in podimos and, and seeing some seeing some benefits from that so i think that's something that people should be aware of it's, even if you're not getting amazing click click through rates or anything actually the the power of just brand recognition shouldn't be understated either yeah and the actually the industry uh open rate for emails is 20 percent um and actually we see significantly higher than that um the reasons for that i can't talk about now necessarily i wouldn't know um, you know we do see much higher than 20 percent, but that is the industry standard so when you talk about it, it's not all about the stats you know it isn't because actually there's so many more benefits outside of uh email marketing than just that so it's interesting what you talk about as well, about, you know, once you're in people's inbox all the time, they go back to your website, they start reading more of your content, they start becoming more familiar with what you do, what they want from you, the problem you solve, um, which then means when they do speak to somebody, your sales cycle is reduced. And I think we see that not only in email marketing, but we see that heavily, heavily in content marketing when you have really great articles on your website. So again, it's whenever you're doing emails, it's about driving that traffic back all the time because then once on their website, they can read more things, investigate more. There's a really interesting stat out there that says, um, and this was actually in the book, They Ask You Answer, which everybody probably knows they're a real fan of. Um, but actually their conversion rate, um, this was from the um, author, Marcus Sheridan, his swimming pool company, their conversion rate went up to 80% when somebody had read 30 pages of their website or more. And that was the magic number. So the power of content cannot be underestimated. And actually, if they had read less than 30 pages, their conversion rate was 20%. Wow. So that is the that power is of content. That makes so much sense to me, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And there's another really cool stat that was saying that 44% um, of millennials don't want to speak to a salesperson during a sales process. And that's 2.2 times more than the generation before. So this comes back to your comment, Oscar, about people, you know, digesting the information on their own, and that then helps them to make their decisions. So when they speak to a salesperson, that sales cycle is then reduced. So it all makes total sense. Whichever channel somebody wants to listen to you on, email could be one of those channels. And if it then pushes them back to the website through a nurture campaign, that's fantastic because they can start reading those 30 pieces of content before they then get in contact with you. So Oscar, um, we know the benefits of email marketing and actually there's a lot of benefits and I think a lot of benefits that people maybe don't necessarily think about within medical device. Um, but what are the drawbacks? Because it's certainly not perfect either. So what are the drawbacks when it comes to uh, email marketing? Yeah, I think some of the big ones uh, that we come across a lot are logistical delivery issues. So, you know, making sure your database, mm -hmm. your CRM that you're using to engage with people is accurate, up to date, clean and hygienic in a way that you're mail delivery software can handle and can read, making sure that someone's gone through and, you know, accurately 
you know, made these names look beautiful and pristine. So we don't want any, you know, lowercase names going out there. We don't want um, any people's job titles in full capitals or anything like this. So it needs to be, that's what I mean when I say like your, your database being hygienic, um, but also making sure that, you know, if these email addresses are wrong or bouncing back, that you're, you're regularly clearing that, cleaning that because mm. you can do some real damage to your, um, let's say you're like you're standing on on the internet with your deliverability is either getting flagged in spam filters or it's bouncing back or it's not being open. Basically, Google starts to see that as you know you're you're delivering spam even though you're not. So you need to constantly be making sure that if people either you know that pe- sometimes people have you know given you their email address ten years ago and have stopped using that. Um, email address and you need to find if, if they're just not opening your emails you're sometimes you're causing yourself more harm than good and I know as sales people we, we typically want to sell, say you know just one more time I'll just send them one more email what, what happens if they open the next one but there has to become a point where you know you have to make that tough decision to just take them off the list because you're ne- especially as your list is growing your email list is growing you're negatively affecting your standing so that's really important for me um, other things like you know oh sorry Claudia no, I was going to say, actually, that's one thing. So your agency should be able to deal with all of that. If you're not going to do it, if you're going to do it in-house, obviously you need to do that. Uh, otherwise, your agency can deal with that for you. But actually, from our perspective, that does take a significant amount of time to clean lists. So that is a big thing to make sure they are properly clean because there's nothing worse than an email coming out where the comma has got a space in between your name and the comma. Or you've like got, you know, just your surname or something like that, or just your, your first name with a lower C, you know, and we see all those sort of things. So cleaning your email list takes longer than people think. It's, well, especially if you have, we, we have formulas that we use to do it, um, but still a lot of it has to be, uh, you know, human eye as well, just to make sure it's correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on top of that as well, making sure that the, the, the pathway just has, it's the least path of resistance or the path of least resistance. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, if your email has loads of pictures in it and it's, you know, it's more like a, a marketing shot rather than a, a targeted sales email, it, you know, and it looks pretty and it's got, you know, huge amount of tech, like formatted text and stuff. Sometimes that takes a very, very long time to load and you're immediately running the risk of if that doesn't load instantly or people, a lot of people have their image, their auto image downloaders you know, turned off. Yeah. So you're making this, you're putting a lot of time and effort into uh, an image that potentially your customer won't ever see. It's going to slow it down. Um, so that's one thing. And then if they scroll down and your, your call to action, for example, takes you to the wrong place or takes time to load or for whatever reason this is just every single second lost or slowed down is an opportunity for that customer just to not progress down that sales Mm. channel so things like you know appealing to like Claudia was saying earlier you know um that certain millennials don't want to deal with salespeople, but I imagine you know we've seen it in studies that a lot of gen z want to interact on instagram or tiktok or things Mm. like this making sure when you scroll to the bottom we typically you know we see medical device companies add their website and their linkedin maybe at the bottom of the email um but actually you know more and more we, we encourage and we like to see medical device companies adding these other avenues because if a customer wants to read if they feel safe and at home on instagram and you don't have an instagram button from there that's one extra layer of, of difficulty and challenge there much like if you back in the old back in the time when you would send a a printed piece of paper to someone's house and they would have to open it up see your see your web address and type that into a computer that's just a, that's such a level of resistance that we're trying to yeah. 
know, move away from. So just make sure you're appealing to everyone and every channel they want to engage you with, make sure they have an easy, smooth option for you to do that. Totally. And, and what about regulatory compliance? So some massive things here. So obviously you need to be, um, you know, you need to, if you're inside the EU or, you know, um, you know, there's some GDPR things to be aware of. Uh, there's the new UK um, GDPR thing that's, that's came in in 2021. Um, obviously in America, there's, you know, their, their can spam laws, but there's things like, you know, making sure you have everyone's, if this is a business to customer communication, you must have permission to do that. And you must have stored mm. somewhere on your database that they have given you permission to engage with them from a marketing or sales capacity. Uh, and this is the, death of most email lists I see. I think, mm. you know, I've worked with some horror stories where you lose 80 to 90% of your emails that you've been collecting for 10, 20 years because you didn't do the extra one bit of due diligence, which is get people's permission. Um, and it's just not worth the amount of legal hassle and trouble to that you'd be in if you, you know, delivered that unwillingly. So this is where you really need to set up. If you don't have it already, we can help you with this, but uh, automations that what any time you're collecting any piece of information from anybody at any stage digitally, you're also having them tick boxes that say, yes, you can communicate with me via a marketing capacity. Um, mm. Because yeah, that's just not a boat you want to be in on the wrong side of GDPR laws, really. No, especially when it can be really effective email. So yeah, setting everything up right to start. The other thing you can do, of course, is buy email lists. That's one way to get over GDPR. Of course, it might not have all your customers in, but you can buy really quite good email lists that have a lot of people in, um, a lot of relevant audience in, and they are all GDPR compliant. So that is one way to, uh, to sort of try and get around it a little bit. So is there anything else we need to think about um, regarding emails before we finish? So I think just my one of my biggest takeaways is there's a big, big difference in email campaigns that are marketing brand awareness emails versus sales and conversion emails. Mm. And I think there's a place for both of them. There's pros and cons for both of them. And, and to define what I mean by that a little bit, we touched on a little bit earlier that a marketing email in my mind is very much um, very beautifully formatted. It's got, you know, um, images and it's all fully branded and it's perfect. And, you know, there's been a lot of time and effort and thought poured into this. Um, the benefit of that is, you know, it, you know, it's authority, it's, you know, status, it's, it's really well crafted. You want to show that you are, you know, competent and capable, capable in the digital world. But the downside is we all know what those look like. And I, I can imagine every single person listening has got an email that looks like that from, I don't know, a River Island or, a, you know, ASOS or wherever you're getting your marketing emails from. And how many of us just skip, our eyes skip over it? And if it doesn't go directly in the junk, you just ignore it. Whereas... No, that, those are great, like I say, from a brand awareness, but I think from a sales and a conversion perspective, I would really recommend people, if they haven't already, consider going down a much simpler route, going down a route that is almost looks more like a uh, an internal office communication or memo that you might share with, with a colleague. And it's, you know, it's written and laid out in uh, simple text and it's, you know, um, it's very short and concise and there's probably no more than a sentence or two inside the email with a strong call to action. Uh, and that's a very different email. And, you know, it doesn't do great for your brand awareness, but it certainly does a lot for moving people down that sales channel. I just think a lot of people confuse those two. And I think there's a time and place to use both effectively. And people should just be conscious of that when they're designing their email campaigns. 
totally. And that's sort of down the nurture, the, the, what we were talking about earlier, about nurture emails versus conversion emails. So like your nurture email or your, or your sales emails, if like, so your nurture emails are like those four that you're talking about, which are more flat text and just actually answering people's problems, addressing the issues they have so they can feel more comfortable moving through their journey. And then one in every four or one in every five is more that glossy sales one that's actually trying to push you into, not push you, that's the wrong phrase, but is actually trying to direct you towards the purchase that the company wants you to make or the trial or the evaluation or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's one thing we haven't talked about in email, um, which I think we do need to talk about in its subject lines. I think that's one thing that's really missed on email. Um, if people don't have really strong subject lines, that's the first thing people are going to see. So I think that's one of the big reasons why we see email campaigns fail um, because they don't grab people's attention and they don't clearly state um, what's within that email. So I think that's one big thing for people to think about. I think we've got some articles on our website about that as well um, to support with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I don't see enough people taking advantage of personalization tags within subject lines. Yeah. Um, you see it happen a lot in the body of the email, like hi, first name, um, how is company. But mm. actually, you know, those tags still work. If you're using a good mail delivery software, those tags still work and are effective and inside the subject line. Um, I, you know, I'm going to read an email. I'm, I think I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but you're far more likely to open and click an email that has your name in. Um, that has your job title in, that has your company in. Mm. You know, these these things people overlook a lot. And especially with A-B testing, I don't think there's really an excuse nowadays not to be able to see how to iteratively make your subject lines better and better and better. Mm. Um, there's one thing that I, I like to use a lot, and I know this is frowned on a lot from um, some of, you know, uh, people that typically see rules as rules and not rules as guidelines. But I like to use lowercase subject lines. I think typically most people want subject lines in uh, sentence case or title case at least. I typically use it entirely lowercase because for me, that's how I would say, if I was to send an email to you, Claudia, I probably would send it all yeah. in lowercase. Um, and I think that makes it seem like, it makes a mass email seem like it's written directly from someone. And actually that's- interesting, that, yeah. And so that you can, you can expand on that even further. And this is something I prob uh, probably, um, you know, that I have seen in the past techniques where people will deliberately put a uh, spelling mistake or something in this. Now, yeah. I think I would advise against that if you're a medical device organization, especially because, you know, that's where it's the level of, especially if this is, you know, to healthcare professionals or um, stuff like that. But especially if you're doing like a, a customer campaign and you want to be seen as a, a friendly company, potentially there's an argument for that. But I think, you know, that is a very double-edged sword. It's a tool and a skill that's out there. I'd recommend you think twice, think carefully if you want to use it, but it is very, very effective. People are more, statistically, people are more likely to open an email that looks like it's written by a human and humans make yes. mistakes. mistakes. Don't make yeah. spelling mistakes. It's true. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it is then, does that damage your professionalism, professionalism um, by appearing to have a spelling mistake or does that increase your open rate because you have that level of human humanity uh, yeah I mean, within there that'd be interesting check that against your brand and your brand guidelines if you and your your, your peers and your ceo and, and you're all on board with that then that's a tool you can use um you typically see that in smaller startup medical device organizations yeah. um but yeah it's, it's an interesting thought experiment at least interesting excellent so um I think we've gone through pretty much everything to do with email marketing. Um, is there anything else or, or what would you say if I said, is it worth it, Oscar? Would you, what would be your sort of summary in saying, is it worth it? 
absolutely to an extent so it what, depends <laughs> yeah like it absolutely is worth it like i say the amount of there's a huge amount of time investment especially if you're if you're a brand new startup organization and you don't have a database and you don't have you know clean email lists and you don't have an email delivery software you know find an agency that can help you do that because you know they're going to get mm. you up to speed much much quicker than you can on your own um but there's there, there is diminishing returns right if you if you only do everything by email and actually you know with with um the growing rise of instagram and tiktok most people a lot of especially to patient communications go via these channels mm. um, so you know you can't just sit around all day it, you i would say limit the amount of eggs you put in that basket um, but absolutely um, don't neglect it totally. So it must be part of a multi-channel campaign is what you're saying, which I think is, is always the way we see things, uh, more so because everybody looks at things in a different way. So your audience aren't all going to be on all the channels, but actually if people can see you on multiple channels, then they're more likely to follow your leads, go to your website, find out the good information, get in contact with you, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a fantastic tool as part of a multi-channel campaign. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you very much, Oscar, for joining us today and talking about email marketing. Uh, thank you very much for having me on my birthday of all days. We'll say you... On your birthday. Happy birthday. I know, that's amazing. You share it with anyone else. Thanks, Gloria. Amazing. So, um, so I hope everybody enjoyed today's episode of the Medical Device Marketing Podcast. Um, if you want any more information, go to our website. We have a huge amount of articles, videos, things like that in our learning center. If you have any other questions, just get in contact, either email me directly, message me on LinkedIn, or get in contact with our website, and we'll, be in, and we'll get back in contact with you. Have a fantastic day, and thank you very much for listening.